Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Phone Contact with The Telegraph. Today we are recapping what has been an eventful and at times very difficult year in rugby. The ongoing presence of Covid has meant the majority of games this year have been played in empty stadiums, including the Six Nations and the entire British and Irish Lions tour of South Africa too. It's been a year of two halves for England. Eddie Jones' side finished fifth in the Six Nations, picking up just two wins from five but bounced back by going through both the Summer and Autumn series undefeated. Over the course of the year, Jones has drafted in a number of fresh faces as he looks to build a new-look squad ahead of the 2023 Rugby World Cup. We'll assess just where England are at the moment, with the 2022 Six Nations just around the corner, with the Telegraph's rugby correspondent Ben Coles. We'll also be looking at the state of play for the rest of the teams in the Six Nations, defending champions Wales going into the new year off the back of a difficult autumn, Ireland, well, they seem to have clicked on Danny Farrell. And France, well, they look to be back to their best with the player of the year, Antoine Dupont, right to the fore. Biggest event of the year was undoubtedly the British and Irish Lions Tour to South Africa. The tour went ahead under very strict COVID restrictions, which resulted in some one-sided and at times uneven games. We look back on that tour and its legacy both here and in South Africa. We'll also be discussing who is it on one side in the world at the moment. World champion South Africa had another successful year. Meanwhile... The Kiwis suffered rare back-to-back defeats in their autumn tour, and we're all pleased about that, aren't we? Uh, Plus, we'll discuss the impact of the pandemic, what it's done to the game and could potentially do in 2022, and we'll pick our Player of the Year as well. Delighted to welcome back, alongside me, for the recap of the year, the former Springbok captain, Bob Sprinkinstad. Hello, Bob. How are you going, Brian? Good to see you. Unique year for, for rugby 2021. Don't want to see another one like this, I don't think. What was the highlight for you? I think for me, the highlight, and, and, and I'm sure we'll get on to Lions and that kind of thing, the, the highlight was actually the, end, the, the sort of the autumn tour, having, having full stadiums, yes. having the clash of the Southern Hemisphere versus the Northern Hemisphere. The, the results weren't amazing for the Southern Hemisphere, but that's okay. You know, going to Twickenham for me with so many thousands of people, Murrayfield the same, Millennium Stadium and Cardiff the same. Um, you know, South Africa didn't go to Ireland this year, but there were some incredible results out there as well. So it was just great to have rugby back as we know. That was that was the number one highlight. And then I think over the year, the course of the year, I liked the United Rugby Championship and the, and the fact that you could play 
Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere in a provincial um, setting as well. And I think that bodes well for going forward in the Champions Cup and the like. Uh, I, I, I agree with the return to some form of normality. I mean, you could... It, it, the, the difference was so marked. I, I hadn't expected it. I think I got used to, and you probably got used to, to watching games in empty stadia. Uh, I, I don't think I could ever get used to that. I, it, <laughs> it sounded like you know, these big meaty thumping hits and, yeah. and just echoing around a, an empty stadium was terrible. I did some commentary on some of the games and yep. you would have done the same. And yep. it just, does, it feels soulless, you know, yep. and, and it, it's certainly not as exciting as when the, when the crowds are part of the, the game. Well, funnily enough, I think the, the highlights for me, the, the, the being at uh, a, an eighth fall Twickenham to see the final, the Exeter final with Quinns, was an astonishing game. And Quinns actually had three games Two against Bristol and one against Exeter, which were just, and they were they were club games, so you can't mark them on the same scale as international games. But they were, they were everything you want rugby to be. Oh, absolutely, and 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 the the, the style of rugby that was played, as as well as the the quality of the comeback, you know, the the, the depth of points they had to make up <laughs> yeah. in in those games, they were amazing. You know, I think the the and we'll talk a bit more about different players, but to see a young Quinns. Uh, side just gel like that and come back and have the confidence to play that kind of rugby was outstanding. Uh, well, the showpiece event was meant to be the British and Irish Lions tour to South Africa. Um, it was it was it wasn't ideal in all sorts of ways. No fault of anyone. Everyone they got it away. Um, what did it deliver in your opinion? Well, I think it, it delivered in the in the high end competition, the, the the tightness of the game. I think you know everybody. From here can say, oh, South Africa played Dower rugby and, and did X and Y and Z and, and, and it wasn't as fun. But then I think that the Lions had the opportunity to, to play. We saw in those sparkling 25 yeah. minutes of, of Finn Russell in charge. Well, that, people that, forget that. They don't, they, they, it's all, all very well saying one side did this. You were on the field. You were well. on the field as well, exactly. So, yeah. But we did see glimpses of, of you know, the opportunities to spread it wide. And, and I think you know, we've seen South Africa play that stranglehold rugby. You know, they, they, they scored as many tries, um, they got as many points. So I don't think it delivered, and, and I, I feel very sorry for it because, you know, I've been involved in tourism ambassadorship. I'm a proud advocate, as you know, of, of people visiting South and Southern Africa, and, and I love it to bits. And not, not one fan or person that I've spoken to got out there except the players, and they were in a, in a bubble, and, and they weren't able to enjoy the tour as they will be. So they lost opportunity there. When you look back on it, do you think there's anything that could have been done differently? No, at the time I was talking about, I was saying postpone the tour and do it next year. But look where we are now. You know, we're postponing the tour and potentially going back into a lockdown. So yes. we would have we would have lost on both counts. There, I think it had to go ahead. We watched the 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 games on on television. The showpiece that the, the players put on was was you know big, competitive, crunching, physical rugby. And and you know, well done to them for that. I just wish there were eighty thousand fans in every stadium watching them. We'll be talking about England's year in a bit more detail with uh, Ben Coles, but um, game of two halves, if you want to use that cliche. Uh, do you expect Eddie Jones to stick with the uh, revised squad that he's got now, which includes several younger players? Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Uh, sort of year of two halves. But if you look back, it, you know, a roller coaster ride of two halves because yeah. England were in in not the, the form of their lives playing in a in in you know the six nations and 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 what that has become was was competitive and difficult for them uh, away from home as well as at home um but then they did have glimpses of some really good performances you know the the England players played well on the Lions tour the end of year for me 
you know, England won it, if, if you want to talk in that parlance, um, hands down. So all's well that ends well for Eddie, and, and I'm sure his, his selections will be ones that will be well-favoured in the future. It was basically a successful autumn series for the Northern Hemisphere sides. I do think we have to put in this quite strong caveat that all the Southern Hemisphere sides were away for a long time. I've, I, I, the longest I think I was on tour was Lions in 89. That was nine weeks away. When you're talking about 14 weeks, which, they, which I think the Kiwis were away for, it must have some effect, mustn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, and, and, and we've spoken about this in the past, it's not an excuse that any of the teams have bleated out, but, you know, the, the, the Springbok team were, were in a bubble away from, you know, remember the families could come in and see them, but away from normal life from yeah. the 28th of May. Yeah. You know, so it's an extraordinarily long time to be out of your normal environment. And, and, and I think that tiredness showed, you know, but those players are going to go back. And, you know, we've seen World Rugby push back against this global season. These, the, the, these competitions changing and the COVID effect of, of um, having to make up games, etc., is, is actually it's playing out a global season without actually <laughs> announcing it. And, and these players are going back. They've just finished up. They've got a Christmas break now, and they're in. January, they're yep. starting to play. Rugby championship, super rugby equivalents, etc. We're going to see the same players on the fields again. Time to talk in detail about England's 2021. Pleased to welcome to the podcast Ben Coles, the Telegraph England rugby reporter. Ben, look, they went into the Six Nations as favourites, last Six Nations, picked up just two wins uh, out, out of five, finished fifth. What went wrong? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, when we think back on that Six Nations campaign, which, which just for like an eternity ago, there were so many sort of different issues in each of the three losses to Scotland and Wales and Ireland that where England are now has, has shown that they've actually shown quite a bit of development. I mean, I think the problem with the Scotland game, there was a, a, certainly a lack of attacking ambition. It feels like they've come a long way from that now with with the tandem of, of Marcus Smith coming in and whoever he's going to partner in midfield. And and then in terms of the Wales game, shipping close to 40 points or in that region was were, was not great, obviously. And then I think the worst of the lot was the game away in, in Dublin against Ireland, where they would, they, England were well outmatched and, and outplayed. So it, it just seemed as though at times they were getting a bit outcoached, that the systems weren't developing as well as they would have hoped at this stage of a World Cup cycle. And I guess credit to the coaching staff therefore in the summer sort of hitting the reset button a bit and trying to reevaluate where they were going and and the, what the direction was heading into the next World Cup and it feels like they've reset uh, reset their course somewhat uh, looking ahead to that tournament. When I spoke to Eddie Jones principally about uh, the leadership book that he's, he's written and we touched on these subjects and he said to me that he felt they'd they'd hit the Saracens button too hard and what he meant by that I think was and I, I did feel sorry for him in, no I did think there was um, not an excuse, but there was a reason for this. Saracens, as, you, as we all know, had, a, had the year where they were, they, were, they, were, they were going to be relegated. They didn't play for ages. But, but nevertheless, they formed the largest part of the England leadership group. <clears throat> Between them, they had, you know, multiple caps. And um, if he had said, right, you haven't played, um, I'm getting rid of all this experience, and it had gone badly, everyone would have said, you've got rid of all your leaders... And all your experience, what on earth do you expect to happen? And as it turned out, they were undercooked and they just never got it right after that. They never recovered from that. And I think whether or not it was forced on him for the summer tour or not, or was it a conscious decision, 
the the ability to get away and introduce new players um, effectively, you know, washed that out of the system. So, um, I mean, he said there would be changes after the Lions too. He wasn't wrong. What do you think is likely to happen in terms of of the squad um, going forward and the the, the players that is have been not shunned, but you know, have been uh, overlooked uh, and the newcomers? Yeah, it's a really good point you make about him saying talking about sort of changes after the Lions and changes to the squad because I feel often that's those sort of England matches on that on that tour when the Lions are away we often do see a lot of new players sort of coming to the side but very few of them hang around and are there necessarily building through to the next World Cup but that, whereas actually in, in that game against the USA in the summer of the first game that was that was the debut for Marcus Smith and Freddie Stewart and, and other other promising forwards like Jamie Vermeer and Joe Hayes and you have actually seen a those players then retained into the autumn at the expense of more experienced players. I, I think Eddie's sort of in a perfect position because he's been able to put those, get rid of those sort of more experienced players who, who weren't necessarily in the best form or in the case of George Ford are in obviously excellent form, but he feels it's not the right time for him to be part of the England squad. And yet he's still been able to win matches and have an unbeaten autumn and therefore, and develop young talent with a view to the next World Cup. And then if he needs to call on a, a, a Vina Polar brother or, or George Ford or someone like that, Ben Earl springs to mind as well, who, who was playing very well for Saracens and, and before that for Bristol. Then he has the depth to bring back in. But, but it also seems quite clear that he wants to, to really build around Marcus Smith at 10, to really build around Freddie Stewart at 15. And then it's hard to, to imagine an England side without Maca Polar over the next two years. But if you've got Ellis Genge playing the way Genge has been playing, for Leicester and for England, and then Joe Marler is still as effective as he's at loose head, then, then Makovunipola is sort of left as a third-choice loose head. So I think in terms of the general direction, everything is going to have to focus around Smith and the attacking template they want to play, and, and therefore they're going to have to work out what to do in midfield and, and who the best options are there and what the best combination is. I think that has to be, to be the priority because other certain positions in the team seem to be sort of nailed down already. The the only uh, position I'd argue about is maybe number eight, where Tom Curry's been playing there and with Courtney Laws as a six and Sam Andrew at seven, that's worked quite well. But the form of, of Alex Dombrand in particular has been so impressive, I think, for Harlequins and he offers so much with his ability to break the gain line um, and with his support running as well, Dombrand, that perhaps there's there's something to be looked at there as well. Um, ben, it's it's Bob here. Um, you know, there's there's been a... A cycle which has been followed, and I think all the way up until the All Blacks did the the, the repeat of a of a World Cup. Before that, the only coaches who'd ever won were the ones who were almost fired at their first attempt, and then went through on a second cycle. You know, and and Eddie, despite being a finalist and very dominant in the semi-finals, and then and then you know an outstanding performer in in the World Cup that South Africa won did have a review on his post, did have a review on the position and has had a chance to review. Do you, th- do you think there's any, any merit in people saying, you know, if you have that longer period with, with more players to pull in and out of a squad, you've got a better chance at winning a World Cup? Or is this more about getting England on the right track and whether it's Eddie that takes him all forward, then it doesn't really matter. It's more about the player group. It's interesting, isn't it? Because he sort of talked about take how after the last World Cup final defeat, how much of the squad he was going to actually change over the next four years. But but I don't think everybody necessarily thought that he was going to rip up the team and start again, just because there were so many young cogs in that team who were still had sort of age on their side, form on their side, and who you could see coming back 
in four years' time and, and they, they were going to be stronger as a result of what they'd been through in 2019. But, but actually, he has he sort of tinkered with the setup more and, and, and perhaps put in more change to this England side than maybe we were expecting. I mean, the, the revolving door of assistant coaches continues to swirl <laughs> and, and we're still getting... We're still getting new people in, and who knows how many new new voices will be in that setup by the time we actually get to France in in two years' time. Um, I, I guess to answer the question about whether uh, the, this idea that because he's been through the sort of twenty nineteen defeat that England will be better off for it. I mean, you can certainly, if they weren't lifting the trophy in the Stade de France in a couple of years' time, then yeah, it's all going to have been worth it. But at the same time, if England don't come up short and, and they don't have success at that World Cup, then we're going to be sat here wondering what they've done with the last four years and, and whether whether it's been a successful appointment. I, I do think a Six Nations title coming up next year is is important because they've sort of gone from, I think, fifth in 2019 to winning the title in 2020 to fifth again. And there needs to be a, a serious title charge there and, and they need to keep building the momentum. But, but I think at the moment, on the back of this autumn, Eddie, Eddie certainly seems to have a lot more credit in the bank than he did when we were questioning what they were doing after winning only two games in the Six Nations earlier this year. Uh, final question for you, Ben. What, what, are you, what are you hoping to see in an, an ideal and realistic uh, 2022 from England? I, I think it has to, I think, like I said, they have, to be, they have to be in the mix for the title. I think we want to see more of, of Smith sort of developing and, and whether that's with Evan Farrell as his, his inside centre partner or whether it's going to be a man or two, a laggy or, or, or a new option. We we want. I, I think the worst thing would be for England to start progressing in terms of their attack and to start sort of looking, looking inward and playing necessarily, sort of a a game that doesn't utilise Smith's best talents to the to the maximum because he's clearly, he's continued playing for Harlequins. There's, no, there's no point way. in picking him if you don't do that. Yeah, exa- exactly. So we don't want to see him his sort of influence dulled on the game. We want to see him sort of build around him. And, and and I just hope that if England have a, a bad game or a bad defeat, that they then just hit the panic button and start dropping a player like Smith or dropping a player like Stewart because something to focus on the results. They clearly have talents there who are coming through and who are developing well enough that they need to sort of keep the faith there and and, and hopefully we don't get into, into a situation where they're getting dropped. I, I think they're, they're going to be very confident heading into the Six Nations and heading into the Summer Tour next year because they'll believe that they've fixed where they were going wrong in this year's Six Nations but but at the same time I guess we'll find out come the spring what sort of place they're in Final, what are you doing for Christmas New Year if Covid doesn't destroy the Premiership uh, schedule then there'll be I think I'll be at Bath Bath against Gloucester on Boxing Day that'll be, that'll be a nice sort of warm family affair between yes, a couple of West Country yeah. rivals won't it that'll, that'll be good I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll get along just fine at that so uh, yeah fingers, fingers crossed we do get the games going ahead yeah have a safe one bye mate Bob looking at the other this is a question but it's not really a question because it, it's a rhetorical question who had the best who of the other Six Nations side has had the best year it's France isn't it what well, going away? It's France. Yeah. Um, you've got to say Ireland started to challenge yeah. with a great result against the All Blacks, and yeah. and maybe a bit of continuity of player selection, some some form from some of the guys who we've we've seen pressing over the years. I yeah. thought there might have been a couple of those players involved in the Lions tour. They weren't, but yeah. then suddenly they were doing well for Ireland at the end of the year. And um, you know, well done for for Andy Farrell, who's who's 
really stuck to his guns. Um, he's got a player group who can challenge. Um, I think they'll be good. I, for me, Ireland are, are a fantastic team to watch. I, I love the outside backs. I love what they do. But when it comes to World Cups, they fall away. You know, this yeah. is their time to shine, is to, to win a Six Nations, etc. They, they'll be big competitors against England because they'll, they'll say, okay, you know, it's, it's not home, but it's close to home. There's going to be a couple of games across the, the UK Isles, as, as we've heard in the, in the Rugby World Cup. You know, will that benefit them or England? Maybe. Um, and then coming into semi-final time, there'll be one much closer to home. Is this our chance to, to, to really make a bid for it? Because England will be feeling exactly the same. So I, th- I think those two going away, definitely. Uh, Wales, I mean, arguably, they regressed, but I think there were, there were reasons for that. The thing that I think Wales has still got to come to terms with is a structural thing because the Alan Wynne-Jones factor, I mean, he was injured and so on. But there still, to me, is a doubt over whether he can last the pace. Whether he wants to last the pace, whether he'll be absolutely the top of his game as we know it. Mm. Because, uh, you know, when I look back at my career, you couldn't have said anything to me on fitness scores. I'd say my fitness scores were as good as they've always been. But when I look back, towards the end, there was a... There was a uh, towards the end, I just wasn't... I look back and think, you weren't as sharp as you were several years before. Mm. You weren't but- quite as hungry. And you don't know that at the time. And you I, you and, don't and know that at the time. You, you, you're so right. You don't know that, that, that at the time. I think Alan Wynn um, has been such an incredible um, performer for Wales, but, but sort of ambassador of the, of the game in general, that we, yeah. all, we all sort of got this little halo around him yeah. that almost nothing can go wrong. And I, and I, was, I was listening the other day to a, to a, a Welsh fan who, who, who said to me he was, he was sick of, of, of where, you know, they were delighted with a, with a um, the Australia result, but he said we're sick of being the perennial um, valiant losers. Yes, and 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 I think you know there's that feeling. But what happens with Wales when you get a superstar into the Welsh team from the outsider's point of view? Remember, I'm I'm just talking from the outsider. Yeah. It's almost like they can do no wrong. So you know, not playing week in and week out, not playing week in and week out, not playing week in and week out, starting for Wales, yeah. and then starting for Wales, and then not playing, and then not I, you know. The regions are the guys who are putting the money into these superstar players and, and you know, sort of developing them. The, 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 the national team is, is one thing, but you also need to see them week in and week out. And, and when you get to that age, you can't do it anymore. Yeah. So, so people go down and, and, you know, watch the Ospreys versus Cardiff or, you know, a, a big clash or whatever it is, Klinecki against you. And they want to see those, those players as well week in and week out. And, and just with this overload of rugby and then getting old, you, you end up find, fighting a losing battle because you're going down a slippery slope on the other side. I, th- I still think he's got enough in him. I still think he, he, he was really, really good as a big, strong contributor in the Lions Tour. He did well in the Wales games that he played. Um, I just, you, you've summed it up, you know, sometimes you, you don't see yourself. Yeah. What other people and, can and see I plainly. Also, I also wonder with, with Wayne Pivak, with everyone fit, whether he now, because at one point I could name the the starting 15 with relative certainty, mm. bar one or two. Um, I don't think I can do that anymore. The back mm. row mix is, is up for grabs. I think the, the second row mix is up for grabs. The uh, the halfback one is certainly. Well, you know, you're so right. And I think sometimes. And maybe, maybe this is part of the context we're talking about. Sometimes it's also the coach's fault. You know, I'll never forget um, hearing the comment that, um, that I, th- I think it was Heineke Mayer who said at the time, you know, I would pick Fareed Dupre 
even if he was on crutches, and he probably wasn't far off line. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's the sad part is that you've got a number two scrum half, yep. you know, working really hard to, to, to be the number one when he can, who, who wasn't uh, at that stage a, um, an, a, 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 a bad player at all in Ruan Pinar, who ended up oh, playing. Was, <laughs> oh, was Pinar was well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. And he just knew he was never going to start if Farid Dupre could stand up out of, out of bed in the, in the morning. And that damages, I think that damages a little bit of the, the, the relationship between players. And, and you know, if, if Pivak's standing back saying, if Alan wins in the country, yeah. he's in a red jersey every weekend. You know, what does it do to everybody else? And, yeah. and I'm not making this about Alan Wynn. That's the context. Yes. This is about any player who's just picked regardless. I think it, it, it damages the fabric of a team. Uh, the Scots, I mean, the Scots, they're in a position that they've always been in for me. You know, there are lot, lots of hope, not quite nailing it. Um, um, the, the successive performances go well, and then there's a setback. And I... Unfortunately, with Scotland fans, I can't see that being being much different. You know, there's a lot of promise um, and so on, but only you know one game away from just you know le- you know being. It's the hope that kills you, I think. With no, the Scots. exactly. And I, and I love the Scots. I've got, I've got a great affinity with them. I think they're fantastic supporters. I think they've got a very good um, base now for a, for an active. Uh, tight five. I think you know in Hamish Watson. I think I think he's a good loose forward. I don't think he's a great loose forward yet. And and I would say that to to him because I I, I feel he would also say okay. Well, I haven't gone out there and smashed the All Blacks on my own, which we've seen from from the the best loose forwards out there. Um, if if the Scots were a, a bowler, they'd be military medium. You know, they, they yeah. might they might nick one or two off. Every 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 time they bowl, but but not win the game for the team, and and unfortunately, I think that's going to be. Let's, un- not, let's, let's not mention cricket at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, not today. You're right. I woke up early this morning to watch, yeah, some not so military medium bowlers um, hit Joe Root in in the Unforgivables. So, but but I, you know, and 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 I think they, I I, th- I think they 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 can they can do a lot more. The Scots. Let's uh, just, just just discuss France a bit more because Thomas Castagnier. Um, was very chipper. He always is, but um, <laughs> but he was he was he was he was he was cockily confident this time, uh, and he was saying that uh, he he's detected an unusual mood in the French camp. He said before they've only ever thought he's only ever thought they've thought oh we've got a good chance. Oh. This time he said he feels that players like Dupont and other players have got it in their mind. This is a World Cup that is on the home soil that they sh- they can and they must and they should and they will win. No, not being no. Everyone does not being arrogant. Just saying no, this agree. is our goal. We're not just going to give it a go. We're going to do this, this, and this. And it seems to me the way they've played and the the way they've found the way through games um, and finding ways to win games is very uh, is very worrying if you're not French actually um, because they've not only got. Uh, two interchangeable front fives that are quite powerful, like South Africa. Mm-hmm. But they've got a raft of backs, a couple of pairs of halfbacks, four, three or four scrum halves who are very good. And um, they've got back to playing um, whatever stereotype is applicable, but it is, um, the, the French sort of game that, that, that can be very damaging, whoever you are. I think you, you've nailed it. You know, it is worrying, and but I think you're right. I think, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Fabien Gaultier. He, he's the kind of 
player who and Ibanez as well actually. Well, I yep. mean the I, I, the set of them. If you if you yep. look at the, the 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 their coaching staff, they've they've peppered them with those uncompromising, difficult, we're going to win type players, yep. and and I think that has trickled down into the team and the belief. You know, if you say to Dupont. And and I've seen all the memes on social media, you know, the seven-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, 12-year-old kid, 15-year-old kid, and here he is winning player of the year. He looked as determined to win when he was seven years old. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of character we're dealing with. And I think it's great. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, Thomas Castanier, as as you say, is a, is a he's always chipper, but, but I think he's talking about a real mean streak, a real uh, strength yep. of character. And, yep. and and that comes from a coaching staff that had it. You know, Gaultier played in South Africa for a number of years and whoever he played with ended up winning. They, you know, even when he played with a, a really poor club side, they end up having their best ever results. And then Western Province had a, be, a best ever result. So I think I think if, if they can infuse that kind of belief in this team, then they'll be the team to beat at the World Cup. Let's go back to the Lions, Stuart. As you said, it went ahead under very difficult circumstances. It was completed. Um, what do you think the the legacy, if, I don't know if that's the right word, or the, the aftermath of the tour was from a Springbok perspective? Well, it's a tough one. You know, I, I don't think reputationally um, the Springboks shot the lights out there. I, th- I think Russie's move with the, the original video, I think, I absolutely think, and I've said this t- before to you, I think it was an all or nothing shot. I think he, he sort of said to himself, if I don't get this video out there, we're not going to change the referee's mind by the second test. If we don't do that, we're going to lose the second test. And it worked. So, you know, if all's, all's fair in love and war, then well done to him for that. I still don't think it, it enhanced in any way his or South Africa's reputation. Um, the fact that he's he's gone and posted quite a lot of other stuff on on social media afterwards, I, I think, is is showing a relatively puerile attitude to to I'm how making a documentary by all accounts. Well, counts. exactly, and and uh, the, the attitude is not one of respect. You know, World Rugby gave all of us our job, our, our go at 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 playing this great game. They've managed it. Can I ask you this, Bob? Straight, mm. straight look. I understand from a historical, uh, political, cultural perspective why South Africans might feel the world is against them. Mm. Um, in world rugby, they've been a dominant force for such a long time. Them and the All Blacks have been the two major uh, countries. You know, they, they can't say they've had a rough deal, you know, within rugby because they've been so successful. And I just wonder where um, this sort of underdog um, victim is quite a, a strong term, but, 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 you know, the world is against us feeling comes from. I, th- I think it's, it's it's natural. It's a it's it's part of the South African psyche. You know, you you do feel with the piling. I mean, we're watching South African kids now, Afrikaans South African kids from Afrikaans backgrounds whose parents had nothing to do with apartheid are still feeling the blame of apartheid, and and that happens. You know, there there is that there is that seeping through of history. We've seen it. You know, a lot a lot of people will say that there's 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 different reasons why the English are, are fighting with the Scots or the Irish this week or the Welsh next week or the rest of the world. And, oh, look, and, we know, I know exactly why everyone hates England. <laughs> I'm well aware of that, but it, <laughs> which that, had nothing to do with me either. Well, exactly. And, and, and I think, I, I do think the South Africans feel that. I'm not, con- I'm not saying that that is a reason for or, or condoning in any way the ongoing trying to prove yourself right against world rugby. I think I think, you know, sort of, magnanimity in, in defeat and, and in victory 
works you know just just be the gentleman move on and and i just you know i played with russie i know he's competitive i know he's a he's a guy who wants to win at all costs but but i'm a little bit tired of the the social media and the videos and and everything that comes afterwards trying to sort of post event prove himself right it's just you know take it on the chin carry on coaching if that's what your your life force and your purpose is fantastic but but don't make a mockery of of our society by trying to prove yourself right final point about the the russie thing South Africa, you know, going to the World Cup, they doesn't want this legacy in the background. No, talking, you know, not just, at all. Just, just get on with the rugby. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't do anything to help the coaching career of Jacques Ninaba, who no who nobody ever talks no, about, who's no. actually the head coach of South Africa. Yes. And 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 you know, Rassi brought him into the fold. So so be respectful there as well. From a Lions perspective, what what do you think they need to learn ahead of their their, their tour of twenty twenty five? Because it, you know, it didn't go well for the Lions. Um, I thought that they, I thought that they, were dragged into willingly or unwillingly. Mm. If it was willingly, it was daft. If it was unwillingly, they failed to spot it and rectify it to a game which they were never going to beat South Africa at because South Africa were much better at it. And when you saw the twenty minutes when Finn Russell came on, he started. I mean, it was like a light bulb going on. He came on, he distributed the ball much better. They got beyond the Springboks' powerful. Uh, first line defence and everything seemed possible from there and they mm. just didn't do that enough and if Warren Gatland didn't see that he should have done to me I, th- I think so I, I uh, one caveat though is that the Lions tour traditionally at least 30% of the selection comes from observing the teams that play the big and tough provincial teams yeah, and they enough. didn't have that advantage yeah. you know you, you go to New Zealand oh, and, and, and also um Finn Russell wasn't available for the first. Oh, that's what, what I'm yeah. saying. So, so you go to New Zealand and you play against Wellington. I mean, you're playing against probably eleven starting All Blacks anyway. Yeah. And if some guy comes out and has a cracking game, you know that he's going to be part of the mix. You know, he might be in the 23 yeah. for um, the game against New Zealand Maori, and then he pro- proves himself again. And then the guys into the Test team. This time, you played the Sharks twice, and you know, two eighty nil or eighty points to to yeah. 15 victories. You can't tell anything from that. So I don't think that the, the coaching team and the selectors had that advantage. And, and I, I think that was probably the biggest factor. Well, I think the biggest thing that they can take away f- f- you know, from it is, is Warren Gatland, who's been a, a brilliant servant coaching-wise for Wales and the Lions, done tremendous things. You know, it's time for them to you know, not, not even consider another candidacy for him. Time to, to move on from that and say thank you very much. Bob, rounding up the year, uh, team of the year for you. Let's go internationally. Well, I mean, I think you you struggle to go a long way past, um, you know, France's fantastic victory against the All Blacks at the end of the year um, being the performance of the year. Were they the team of the year between them and South Africa with a a cumulative win rate, I think? you know, definitely for me, the kind of magic rugby that we saw from France turns a player like me. I, I avoided all the rough stuff that you used to do, <laughs> yeah, get involved yeah. in, Brian. So, so you know, for, for me, the team of the year, uh, France. Uh, I agree with that. I just I do one wish. I wish that the Antimac uh, launched from behind his own line and ended scored. in a try. Yeah. And ended in a try because, <laughs> you too. know, that would have been an astonishing achievement. And I was on the field when uh, they scored the Saint Andre try from behind our from behind oh, really? their posts, yeah. Wow! Yeah. Try from the end of the earth. So, no, 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 no. The try from the end of the earth. Oh, was, it was away. Was, was away. Was, was down away. In, that in New uh, Laurent Caban did the inside yeah. outside. That's right. Yeah. 
But that was a 105-yard try, the one that I watched from afar. Jerry Guscott has still got a scar on his chin from where he dived to catch St Andre, and he got caught. Oh, really? I didn't know at the time, otherwise I'd have said well done to Philip, but uh, but never mind. Um, <laughs> South Africa, um, successful year, but when we had Eddie Jones on, he, he was... Uh, he said, that, he said that the current side, South African side, was coming to the end of a cycle of a, f- a few players. Uh, and same with, with players like Vermeulen, who's been so good. I mean, fortunately for South Africa, there are so many good players, you know, who, who, who've never been actually near the squad. I mean, if you think about uh, centres, Dylan Dianam, and then you've got, uh, we, we talked about this before, you know, Andre Esterhuizen, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Andre Esterhuizen is he's, he's almost a carbon copy of Damien Delendi. He's just 10 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think, I mean, if you, if you look at, I, I was watching um, uh, Jasper Visa play today. I mean, yeah. you know, he's also an outstanding ball-carrying player. They had a, a really tough um, match, uh, you know, this, or this, this weekend, but, but came out on top eventually. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, if you, if you look at Dwayne Vermeule and if he goes on into retirement, plays a couple of years for Ulster and doesn't play for South Africa again, they are replacements for him, you know. Well, the, 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 I, I'm, you see, the question down here is, are you concerned at the World Cup? I, I wouldn't be concerned if I was South African because there are loads of players that aren't in the squad that we know are really, really good and people don't know about them because they never see them in international jerseys. Yeah. But the quality... He, you know, he, he's there throughout throughout the team, and provided this for me is the biggest challenge for South Africa is getting the selection right because you can't have more than the thirty odd squad, and you want the best one. Exactly, you're right, and 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 I think you've got to have the questions of, um, you know, if, if, if Eddie thinks the, the the team's a little bit older older that that's fantastic. I'm sure he'll 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 gobble up some some newspaper columns um, <laughs> inches with that in the you know in the sort of the next couple of the months or or the years into the World Cup, but. If you look at the spine of the team, you know, for me, Vili LaRue played his last test um, at the end of this year. But, and, and, and he, we don't have an immediate replacement there. France Stein, probably close to the same sort of thing. Those players dotted around, those older players are going to need to be replaced. But then, you know, you've got Andre Pollard, who's not even 30, who's been the dominant fly half for the last five years. You've got Sia Khaleesi, who's 32. Does he, does he lead them all the way through? They've still got a, a tight five who, who, can, who can manage, and they've got a, a full bench coming on who can manage, yep. and they're under 30. So they, they should be fine, but you're 100% right. It's more about the selection. The next wave of players coming through need to be ones that slot into this game plan and ones that and, you know, get into the culture of this team very quickly. Uh, Antoine Dupont who, uh, was named Player of the Year recently. Uh, I agree with that. I think he was a standout candidate. What, what about you? Yeah, I think he was. Uh, I mean, I looked at a couple of the nominations, and 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 for me, he was he was the standout player. And then you, I watched him play some uh, rugby uh, for his his club team on the weekend. He oh. scored scored a try and was the 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 final pass in three <laughs> three others. I mean, the most effective. Uh, game I've seen from a nine it, this whole year. Did, well, his support lines. And oh, it's people, unbelievable. People call them cheat lines, and they are cheat lines. And what we mean by that is, instead it's of shadowing the ball going between. down, the shortest distance, you yeah. run where you think. It's like you're too you're too young to remember this, but there was a, 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 a there was a comic, um, and they had Billy's boots in it. And what it was was a it was a young lad who got a pair of boots, which took him. Uh, automatically. Yeah, he used to whiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, just, no, 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 but no, but it took him to place on the field where he should be. 
Brilliant. Without without him knowing it. So he'd just appear in the right place. And Dupont has got that sense, hasn't yeah. he? He just got that sense. That's where the, the crucial uh, flashpoint's going to be. And, and I'll be first there by running the show. And be line. effective when I am there. Yeah. And yeah, hugely effective. Um, who else stood out for you? I think I've, I mean, you know, Hamish Watson uh, as, a, as, a, as a player who was up against it from the very beginning, wasn't, wasn't involved. I think, I think that kind of style of loose forward is going to make a big difference to teams going forward. We, we saw that emergence of the sort of the, 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 the six who could go and pinch the ball, but I think he's, he's added a bit more to that. I think in terms of England, Marcus Smith for me was, was going away the most exciting talent. I, I love um, the leadership that he's shown as well. It hasn't all gone to his head. He's come back to Quinn's. He's grounded. I was, I was down at, at training the other day um, watching them train, and, and I was really impressed by the leadership role he played, even for a guy in his, in his very early 20s. Um, I tell you, I've I, mentioned Jack Cornyn, actually, yeah, for Ireland. I think yeah. he, he um, has started to, to make Ireland forget you know, about how much um, um, they, they, they relied on on other players who were who were more limited than him, I think their ball the ball style the carrying the ball carrying style of them is a bit more dynamic and a little less direct than it than 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 it was. Um, yeah, but you're right. He's full, he's filled that role and fulfilled more as well, yes. which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think there are a lot of gom, uh, good players. I think we see in the England squad maybe Alex Dombrant and those kind of guys coming through. I felt Laws was amazing in that in that um, second half of the second test. Second half of the first test in the Lions test, um, and and was very good and contributory. But that was that for me. There was the outstanding performance or outstanding fifty minutes of Test rugby from a loose forward, a guy who'd been sort of parachuted in to play that in, in that seven jersey, um, and then there were a couple of other players who well, Reece Samet, one. I think Louis Reece Samet. If if look, if he wore an All Black jersey, he'd he'd have the try scoring record because what they <laughs> would do is say, get him into space. He's got jet shoes. Get him into space and get the ball in the basket. Yeah, you know, I mean, when anybody puts him into any form of space, he scores a try. I mean, you know, when when you see him play for Wales, he he gets the ball. He's got five players around him, and it's not necessarily the opposition. You know, I, I would build an attacking structure where everybody moved away from him, and he got the Did ball in space, yeah. and you can and yeah. he can play. What a what an amazing talent! Uh, finally, twenty twenty two Six Nations is just around the corner. Um, we talked to Ben about how important it is for. England to mount a challenge. Have you any predictions? Well, I think it's going to be a very difficult one. I think actually, it is going to be incredibly difficult. I think it's a mouth-watering prospect with the, the the form of Ireland, the form of England, and the form of France. I think I think Wales are going to really struggle. I'm not sure of the 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 draw yet. The the home and away. I think Ireland and uh, Scotland are, are are play England away, which is which is difficult. Um, and you know, Fran- uh, I think England, France is in France. Uh, so, yep. so you know, we, we've seen with this, uh, the Six Nations the, si- the cycle. And at home. That's right. So, so, so they've got England and Ireland yeah, at home. Yeah. Those are two big mm. games where they've got their home support, etc. And we do see the cycle is difficult to 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 win year in you know year in year out because you've only got one game and it's either home or away. So, I think those three are going to be. It's going to be a mouth watering clash. I look forward to the whole thing. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Big thanks to Bob Skinsett and to my guest Ben Coase for joining me. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can check out all our previous episodes by subscribing to the Full Contact podcast channel. It's free, and that includes my recent sit-down with England head coach Eddie Jones. 
Uh, we'll be back after taking a short break over the new year and we'll be back for the Six Nations. Until then, I'd just like to say thanks to everyone who's downloaded the podcast over the last year. It's been a difficult year for rugby, but I hope we've tried to keep you entertained and we would wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.